I'm going to guess that if a year ago today, I would have said to you, you should buy Ford Motor Company over Tesla, you would have thought I was nuts. And I understand that. The reality is, though, that maybe you should have done that. Twenty twenty was a crazy year in the stock markets, and one of the most vivid examples of that was the company Tesla, which was up about seven hundred and fifty percent in the calendar year twenty twenty. If I would have told you a year ago that you're going to buy a car, uh, invest in the car industry, in the automobile industry, and I would have suggested you pick Ford over Tesla, you would have thought it was crazy. The reality is, though, you would have done better picking an old company like Ford than you would have picked picking Tesla. Over the past one year, Ford Motor Company is up 109% year over year, and Tesla is up 98%. The reality is a lot of people have simply lost track of how to invest properly, and all of these headline names are kind of steering our attention away from where we really need to look at, the things that we need to analyze when we're gonna make an investment. No question, Tesla has had a phenomenal run. And if we go back and if we compare Ford and Tesla over the last three-year period, three-year period, it isn't even close. Tesla has simply blown away the competition. However, investing is not backward-looking. Investing is forward-looking. So we can look back over the last three years. We know what happened then. The question is, what is going to happen over the next three years? If you're investing your money today, what is the better choice? If you're going to invest in the automobile industry, Tesla or Ford, I would like to get your opinion on that. I get it. It's probably going to be very heavily in favor of Tesla. And, and, and you know, there are some valid reasons why Tesla is an exciting company to, um, to invest in. I think, though, that what we're going to look at today may sway some opinions. But if you feel like just play, placing your vote right now, go ahead and leave a comment below. Tesla or Ford, next three years, what are you going to invest in? In my analysis today, I'm going to be looking at a few different things. I'm going to have a quick top-down view of the automobile industry in general. I'm going to look at a comparison of certain elements of Ford and Tesla directly, some of the things, uh, some of the similarities, some of the differences that they have. I'm going to look at some opportunities that I feel are being presented to Ford right now that might help them in the years going forward. And I'm going to look at some of these challenges, some of the hurdles that Tesla is facing as we go over the next three years that I believe will suppress their stock, certainly suppress their growth, maybe even the share price. I'm going to get into the nuts and bolts of this analysis in just a few moments. Before I do, though, I'd like to remind you that we do have our Investing Academy. And if that's something that interests you, if you want to learn more about it, uh, it will be in the it will be the first link in the description below. Feel free to click on that. I will be discussing it a little bit more later in the analysis today as well. Let's start with a general overview of the automobile industry and a couple of really quick points. My analysis and my the direction I'm leaning in right now comes from a couple of things. It comes from Tesla's uh, challenges that they're going to be facing. It also comes with uh, my analysis of Ford, and I see Ford making a huge shift. I mean, they are a legacy automobile company. Obviously, they've been doing ICE, internal combustion engines, forever. The industry is changing. There's no question that the growth in the electric vehicle, the EV space, is growing dramatically. Ford right now reminds me a lot of Microsoft going back not that long ago. Now, we know Microsoft is one of the most valuable companies in the world today. It wasn't that long ago where they were basically being counted out as the world switched to uh, more of a digital type platform and a subscription base. You recall when Microsoft, you know, I, I remember going down to Staples or Office Depot and, and picking up your annual or every couple of years, you, you'd get your new uh, Office Suite discs that you take back to your office and install on your computer. Well, clearly, that's all changed. I mean, you don't go out and buy discs anymore. Everything is done online. 
there was a lot of talk about Microsoft not being able to make that transition and keep up with all the newcomers. Uh, well, look how that turned out now. I'm hearing the same things now about older traditional legacy automobile companies. I don't believe there will be any problem at all with the, the legacy companies and particularly with Ford keeping up and making that change. There is a sea change in the industry happening right now. Tesla has been one of the pioneers, one of the leaders, but a lot of companies are going to go along for the ride uh, on that train as well. From a global perspective, there are approximately 70 million cars that are sold every year. Uh, most recent numbers in 2021, 70 million projected, and we had a high of about 75 millions back in 2019. The average from 2010 to 2019 has been around 71 million a year. And you can see uh, 2020 hit by COVID and you'll see a, a dip there around 63.8 million. But that uh, we're expecting that to see uh, a recovery in that space right now. In the U.S. market specifically, which is, of course, a major component of both Ford and Tesla's uh, sales, uh, sales arena, the country has been averaging around 17 million cars sold a year. Again, a dip in 2020. Year to date in 2021, around 8.3 million. So, we're seeing that climb back up to more normal numbers. Let's focus in on the EV market because that's predominantly what we're going to be talking about today. The EV market currently is about 3.5% of the U.S. market and about 4.6% worldwide. That number is expected to grow by 70% in 2021. Clearly, there is this shift and a lot of, uh, a lot of companies around the globe have in fact mandated a minimum percentage of vehicles in the coming 5, 10, 15, 20 years that will have to be electric vehicle, full full EV, um, you know, in order to be sold. And so that's going to be forcing this change along the way. Let's look at Ford and Tesla specifically. Important to note, there is a, there's room for both in this players. You know, the, the automobile industry will continue to thrive and it's not a winner take all scenario. And, you know, there's a lot of players. These two are the ones we're focused on today. As the leader, Tesla has the top two spots in the EV market in Q1 2021. These are vehicles that were sold in the United States in this space. The top two model, uh, top two cars being sold, the Tesla Model Y, Tesla Model 3, as you can see by this chart, uh, you know, 48,000 uh, plus Model Ys, 27,000 plus, uh, approximately 27,000 Model uh, 3s. You'll notice in the fourth place on this chart, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, 6,600 so 6, cars sold. That is a much smaller number, as you can clearly see. However, it's important to note, this Mach-E car was only released, uh, announced in November of last year. It started selling in December of 2020. So even though it's a brand new vehicle in the space, it has moved into the fourth highest selling vehicle in the, in the first quarter of 2021. There are a lot of similarities between these companies. They both play in the global auto market. The industry is extremely capital intense with very low margins. That's the same whether you're talking about Tesla, whether you're talking about Ford. And right now, all companies are dealing with a global semiconductor shortage. This issue is definitely hampering the industry across the, across the spectrum. And as you can see, as contained in Tesla's Q1 2021 release, Elon Musk says, our biggest challenge is the supply chain, especially microcontroller chips. Never seen anything like it. Fear of running out is causing every company to overorder like the toilet paper shortage, but at an epic scale. That said, it's obviously not a long-term issue. I agree this is a challenge that the entire industry is facing right now, but it will be solved. And so when I'm looking at my analysis, I'm not looking at this particular challenge right now. I'm looking at this, you know, I think things will normalize. 
and then we're going to go forward uh, on a more uh, a more a predictable scale uh, following this. Let's look at some of the differences now between Ford and Tesla. Obviously, the biggest difference is that Tesla plays only in the EV space. They do not have any ICE cars. Ford, the majority of their car, majority of their sales and revenue still come from the internal combustion engine product line. I see that as a positive that Ford has both of those lines. Obviously, the industry is shifting away, but given that that still, you know, 95% of cars sold are in the ICE space, you want to be a player there from a company, not from the EV space, but from the company as general. So I like the fact that, you know, basically uh, from a product line perspective, essentially, uh, Tesla has the one area to operate in, whereas Ford has both. A couple of things to note, both of these companies have other segments other than just automobile sales. Tesla, of course, has their solar city operation. They also have an energy storage uh, segment of their business. Neither are profitable right now. Neither contribute, uh, well, nothing to the bottom line because they're both losing money. But even as far as revenues are concerned, they're a very small chunk of what Tesla does. So I'm not going to give them a lot of weight in this analysis today. Ford also has a very large division called Ford Banking. And it basically what they do is, you know, they, they do financing and leasing arrangements for Ford, uh, Ford products. So it's, it's essentially a huge financial operation that is, it is profitable. And I, I, again, I, I'm looking more now at the potential going forward of the automobile sales in general. But I did, I did think I would, I thought I would just make a note of that because, you know, some astute investors are going to say, well, they don't just sell cars. There are other elements to each of the businesses as well. Uh, that is true. Uh, factor those in in your overall analysis, but what we're looking at today primarily is from an automobile perspective. Uh, autonomous vehicles. Both companies are active in the autonomous vehicle space. I do, uh, you know, you hear Musk and you hear about Tesla and their autopilot system and you, you would almost believe, and in fact, some people who have run into incidents have believed that you can just, you know, start the car, head out, fall asleep, and it will get you there. They're not even close to being at that stage yet. In fact, from an autonomous vehicle perspective, Tesla trails uh, many other competitors. Ford has recently partnered with a company called Argo AI, and this will provide them with the depth to the uh, autonomous driving uh, objectives of all of these companies. When it comes to Ford and Tesla, the deciding factor for me on which direction I was going to go with a, an automobile investment was the truck division. Ford F-150 Lightning, which was just recently announced, versus the Tesla Cybertruck. Now, when you look at these two pictures here, I, I don't know what you think, but this is, to me, uh, the, the easiest decision I've probably ever made. The Ford F-150 uh, Lightning truck is a good-looking, powerful-looking uh, pickup truck, as you would expect. Tesla Cybertruck, to me, I just, when I first saw it, I thought it was a joke. I didn't believe this was actually the product, but of course it is. Now, you might like it. I'm not sure, but I sure don't. And I mean, all kidding aside, obviously, I wouldn't invest in a company or not invest in a company just because of this. But man, that is one ugly looking vehicle. And uh, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It right, reminds me, for those of you who are old enough to remember Expo 86, which was held in Canada and in Vancouver specifically, Cars back in the day were pretty boxy. In 1986, I remember looking at these, you know, futuristic looking curvy cars streamlined. Uh, I, I was, a, it was hard to accept that as the look. Now that's all we're seeing today. And if you believe that, say 35 years from today, we're all going to be going back to the boxy, uh, cyber truck type uh, vehicles. Well, 
Um, kudos to you. Maybe leave a comment below whether you, which one you like better. Let's take a deeper look directly at Ford and some of the opportunities that I see in the runway ahead. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. Ford is a company with a market cap of about $620 billion, and it has obviously a huge existing customer base and existing strategic partnerships. The Ford F-Series is the best-selling vehicle in America. In 2020, 787,000 of these vehicles were sold, and they just announced the new F-150 Lightning pickup truck. 100,000 people paid 100 bucks each to get on the waiting list to have those trucks. So that speaks to some demand right out of the gate. And I know it kind of goes back to where Tesla was. And I remember people paying money to be on the Tesla waiting list back in the day. In China, in Q1 2021, the Lincoln branded vehicles just set a new sales record. So their reach, their scope is global, not just in the U.S. Some of the pros I like with Ford right now, uh, obviously they have a huge infrastructure built up already. They have scalability as they transition into the uh, in, into the new EV space. They're not you know, starting from scratch and reinventing the wheel. They have iconic brands. These are brand names that every car owner has heard of. You've got the, as I just mentioned, the F-Series, the number one full-size pickup globally. You've got the Mustang, the number one sports coupe globally. In the transit space, in the vans, they are the number one cargo van seller globally. The Explorer, the number one all-time best-selling SUV in the United States. You've got the Ranger, the number two medium-sized pickup globally. And of course, you've got the iconic Bronco. These aren't just names. They're coming out with great cars. Car and Driver, they do their tests every year. In 2020, the Mustang Mach-E was named North America's SUV of the year. And more importantly, I would say, is Car and Driver's Electrical Vehicle of the Year Award. They won the Electrical Vehicle of the Year Award against all of their competition. In the e-transit or in the van space, they are, as they say, leading the charge. Uh, again, with that huge global footprint, making that transition there with a built-in uh, customer base already. In a recent comparison test, when they compared the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach-E with the 2020 Tesla Model Y, who won? Tesla ended up coming in second place in that comparison test with the Ford Mustang Mach-E coming in in the top spot. If you would have told me a year ago that in a head-to-head -head competition, a Ford vehicle would be the Tesla vehicle, I would have thought you were out of your mind, but that's where we're at today. This shows the, the progress that in this short period of time, Ford has been able to make in this space. From a corporate perspective, where is Ford going? Well, uh, late 2020, Jim Farley took over as the new CEO of Ford, and you know, he spent time as the chief operating officer and focusing on product development, uh, advancing the company in this direction. 
his some of his main goals are to you know to streamline operations and to make with that transition as i said like you know, like microsoft had to make a transition earlier from the ICE engine exclusively into the EV space. Ford plans to spend upwards of $30 billion uh, to electrify vehicles between now and 2025. They're targeting 40% of Ford global EV products in the mix by 2030. On a more granular basis, they're projecting 33% of their full-size pickup segment will be fully electric by 2030, 70% of their full-size bus and van industry electric by 2030, looking to sell 800,000 EV vehicles a year and 300,000 vehicles annually. A couple of other quick points I like about Ford and where they're going right now. They have partnered with Volkswagen on joint projects on commercial vehicles, electronic vehicles, autonomous driving, and they have formed a relationship or a partnership with Google. And in this venture here, they will be looking at, they formed what's called Team Upshift to look at leveraging the Google Cloud. And of course, as we go forward, more and more emphasis is going to be put on on tying our cars themselves to the internet and you know partnering up with Google will give them a, a huge leg up in that perspective. There are risks, of course. The biggest risk I would say to Ford is that they don't make this transition. If for some reason uh, they aren't able to trans, uh, you know, translate their ICE business into an EV business, um, that is obviously going to be a problem. Um, I really don't see that happening. All of the majors right now are putting so much emphasis on here. Uh, the risk of that is so minimal um, right now that I wouldn't worry about it. There's also obviously going to be some short-term, potentially some short-term financial challenges as they pour more and more money into this space. They also are a big operator in um, in China. And the Chinese uh, segment is not is not uh, profitable at this point. So those are a few things that you have to worry about, or at least keep um, on your radar as you're analyzing the the opportunities that Ford has going forward. Now we're going to have a closer look at Tesla. As I mentioned, I'm looking right now at some of the hurdles. And, and to be fair to Tesla, they are an amazing company. Don't get me wrong, I love the Tesla vehicles. As an investor, though. If you would have invested a few years ago, you've done phenomenally well. Don't let that blind you. Let's look at what's going to happen going forward because, you know, you've got your money there today or you're putting your money there today. That's what makes the difference, not what happened in the past. When you look at the valuation of Tesla, when you look at the price that it's trading at, the numbers simply just don't add up. What they've done to this point has been remarkable, but it's clearly unsustainable. No companies will continue to grow at the pace that they've been growing without competition coming in and slowing that pace down. Their stock price was up, as I mentioned, 750% in 2020. We've seen a significant pullback year to date in 2021. There's three main challenges that I think are going to affect the, the progress or the slowing of the progress of Tesla. Number one, as I mentioned here, there's stiff, stiff competition from the legacy automakers. I mentioned the tax credit. Uh, that's gone away for Tesla. All of their major competitors, uh, competitors, that is still there. And when you look at the autopilot, as I think I touched on earlier, they are now lagging the competition. When you look at companies like Waymo, um, Uber, these companies actually have um, vehicles operating on the road right now. And Tesla, although they tout their, their advancements in this space, they, they, when you look at it for, purely from a technical perspective, they're not up where a lot of the competition is right now. From a market share, this is really where Tesla has excelled. They controlled about 78% of the market share in the U.S. in 2019. Phenomenal work. 
They still dominate, but that number is slipping. In fact, as of uh, 2021, as of currently, that market share has dropped from 78% down to 54%. Those are numbers through May. As more and more of these legacy companies uh, commit to the space, you're going to see that market share drop. I would say probably significant. Even 50% isn't going to be a number that we're going to be seeing in the near future. If you look at China, which is Tesla's second largest market, you're going to see much of the same trend. Now, China is a, a, a phenomenal opportunity for all players in that space. China has actually, I believe it is, uh, well, it's expected to be the largest EV space on the planet before too long. And they have expressively mandated that by 2030, 40% of all sales of automobiles uh, in China will be mandated to be 100% electric vehicle. There is a lot of competition in China. You know, we think I'm talking about Ford here and the other major legacy players in North America. But in China, you have NIO, of course. You've got Xpeng. You've got BYD. You've got the state-owned companies selling electric vehicles. Mind you, they aren't as pretty as uh, as the Tesla vehicles. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But the reality is, from an investment perspective, investment perspective, there is a lot of competition directly in China. The sales of Tesla have been slipping in China. Most recent numbers, uh, you know, a- April numbers this year, the sales were down 27%. The first mover advantage that Tesla had around the globe is is now slipping. And with that will go the pricing power, the advantage of being able to price the, the vehicles higher because the competition was, was much less if it even existed anywhere. Another factor you have to consider is the uh, you know, the U.S.-China relations. And they uh, they have been deteriorating and I don't expect that to get any better over the next number of years. This is the this is Tesla's second largest market. So any slippage in that area is going to affect their bottom line, uh, well, top and bottom lines uh, accordingly. A, a recent example, early in 2020, uh, Tesla had ha- halted their plans to uh, buy land to expand one of their plants there, uh, specifically you know, t- uh, tied back to U.S.-China tensions. Domestic companies in China are getting car subsidies. And of course, the uh, Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, has recently um, overtly talked about uh, coming down on tech companies. Now, all of these cars in the EV space would be considered tech companies. Um, The leader, the poster child is Tesla. And we're seeing a lot of sort of the reputation of Tesla slipping um, in this area as well. A recent example of this is the ban on Teslas uh, in the China military areas, you know, citing that there's, you know, there's, they're spying uh, on activities there. And so that's something that um, these companies have no control over at any moment. Those can change. So again, just a headwind. I want to talk about regulatory carbon credits. This is an area that a lot of people um, maybe not be aware of, but essentially as a nutshell in the industry, when you, you know, there's, there's this offsetting credits that um, the companies can either buy or sell. A company like Tesla, which is 100% uh, zero emissions, they get credits. They earn credits that they can then sell to other legacy automator, uh, automakers who are you know, polluting. So essentially, you know, you try and get to that zero number and so, or you're going to be fine. So a company, I'll just say Ford, for example, will uh, create emissions. They will buy credits from zero emission companies and uh, offset those, so they're not they're not going to be fine with the local governments. It's a it's a, a a very interesting part of the business, and you know I'm not going to cover that off in in detail here, but it does directly affect Tesla. In 2020, the company announced their first ever profitable year. They recorded a 721 million dollar profit. 
Now consider, in 2020, the same year, the company took in $1.58 billion in these regulatory credits. So those go to, you know, they're, they're gap measurements and they go in to the profits of the company or to the revenues of the company. So without those, um, without those regulatory credits, you know, that $721 million profit would have been a significant loss. The big challenge here is as more and more of the legacy companies start shifting over to EVs, the, the, their, the need for them to purchase these credits from companies like Tesla uh, are going to, you know, diminish and then eventually they will just disappear. The most sort of in your face example of this is the company Stellantis, which has paid $2.4 billion uh, to Tesla for these credits over the last couple of years. That is going away. So this uh, regulatory credits is a big part of uh, the financials for Tesla right now with that evaporating in the near future uh, that has to be factored into their future uh, you know their, their their plan going ahead as well I'm going to talk just for a moment about Elon Musk uh, you can't talk about Tesla without talking about Musk love him or hate him he's a volatile character he has done some amazing things he's a true visionary I so much respect what the guy has does has done the work he's created the companies he's created the jobs he's created however as an investor I like some degree of certainty and most investors like certainty. And, you know, a lot of the volatility that that Tesla has received is because of the things that, that Musk says. You know, of course, he's been in, in trouble with the regulators before because he doesn't like following the rules. Um, I like, you know, working within the rules, but pushing them. No problem at all about that. But as an investor, I just don't like that uncertainty. I, I don't like their foray recently into the you know buying Bitcoin and and for a, a period of time accepting Bitcoin uh, for for um you know purchases of the cards and I think canceling that program and just sort of all over the map. When you look at a company like a Ford now, you look at a company like Tesla. Um, there's just such a difference in the predictability of the companies. That's great if you want to be really, really aggressive and you know have the opportunity as we've seen over the last few years. But here we are today going forward. Uh, at this point, I'm going to take that certainty over the volatility any day. That's kind of a look at the similar similarities, the differences, a uh, bit of a dive into Ford, a bit of a dive into Tesla. Let's look at the numbers right now because you know the numbers are often where it's at. Let's look at revenues and net income. For the last 12 months, revenues for Ford are $129 billion compared to roughly $36 billion for Tesla. From a net income perspective, Ford has about uh, almost $4 billion in net income. Tesla has about $1.14 billion in net income. Both companies uh, were hurt by, uh, by COVID, obviously, uh, out of the gate. Earnings per share. Ford, their basic earnings per share, $0.82 cents a share. Tesla, earnings per share, 48 cents a share. EBITDA, Ford, 8.45 billion. Tesla, 4.5 billion. Market cap of these companies, Ford is 55 billion. Tesla is 635 billion. How does this make sense? How do you take a company that is so much lower in all of those fundamental basic reasons as to why you own a company? And how, how does it have such a a huge gap in that market cap. I would suggest it's based on what has happened in the past and sort of, you know, the growth band, the speculation, but those days may be coming behind us. So I, there's, there's no way in my mind, there's no way I can look at this, even with strong projected growth that justify that huge gap in market cap when you compare. 
even if you bring Toyota, you know, another large global company into the mix here, um, you know, they have net income of $20 billion compared to about a billion for Tesla. You know, they're trading in a market cap of about $240 billion. Toyota's revenues, for heaven's sakes, are around $245 billion a year. And yet you look at the gap uh, in, in these prices, purely from a valuation perspective, looking at some traditional metrics. Uh, Ford right now is a... Uh, a very focused value play. I believe it's inexpensive, undervalued right now. Tesla, of course, is on the flip side of that. It is a an expensive, I would say, overvalued entity right now that has been propped up by, by what's happened in the past. Looking at the price-to-earnings ratio, just as a simple start, Ford is currently trading at a P.E. ratio of 11.8 versus Tesla's 126.8. These are for the for the next 12 months. If you look at the industry on a more broad space, all of the major players, Ford, Toyota, GM, Honda, Volkswagen, these companies are all trading at either high single-digit or low double-digit numbers, again, compared to 130 for Tesla. The price-to-book ratio, just look at a number like that, Ford, 1.6, Tesla trading at 27 times price-to-book. Price-to-sales, another metric, Ford, 0.4, price-to-sales for Tesla, 17.3. I just don't see how you can justify all of these fundamental metrics that we use to value companies and say, you know, what is the runway ahead of them? What does it look like? And, and, and justify that huge price gap. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, quickly on dividends, neither of these companies pay dividends right now. Ford did pay a dividend up until COVID. They suspended that to work through that period. A very healthy dividend, typically in the 6 to 7% range. Uh, they have expressed that they want to restart paying a dividend, uh, you know, hopefully the full amount, but at least some dividend uh, as soon as possible. Whereas Tesla, I'm not aware of any talk of them, you know, talking about uh, starting a dividend. So purely from a dividend play, although right now they're on the same foot, I, I do expect that to change uh, in the not too distant future. On a profitability perspective, return on equity, you see Ford with a 12.5% ROE whereas you see Tesla with a 7.16% ROE. Again, just another reason that I feel Ford takes, it's hard to believe I'm saying this, but Ford takes priority or preference over Tesla as an investment starting today. You will hear when you're looking at companies, you're going to hear a lot about debt, and Ford does have a lot of debt on the books. Really importantly, though, Ford right now is carrying about $163 billion in debt. Uh, Tesla has about $13 billion. One of the things that people have to understand about Ford's debt is about $140 billion of that is the Ford credit division. So they're a bank, essentially. So the, the metrics that you use, the, the debt that you would carry, uh, you know, about $20, $23 billion or so on the automotive side uh, of debt, you got about $140 on the, uh, the Ford credit side of debt. So total from the entities, about $163 billion. But really, you have to look uh, from the, automo, uh, the automotive um, segment uh, comparing to Tesla, you've got that 20, 23 billion versus 13 billion roughly for Tesla. The evidence is in. The jury is out. I, I think that, that Tesla right now is priced not to perfection. I think it's priced over perfection. And, uh, you know, we always, we always hear, you know, past performance does not, uh, it not, is not indicative of, of future performance or future results. And uh, I think this is a glaring case where we have to, you know, we can't look in the rear view mirror. We have to reassess what's going to happen going forward. I could be wrong on this. Uh, from the, There's really, there's a sea change happening right now in the industry as a whole. And the biggest 
challenge, I think, to a company like Tesla, like Tesla right now, is all of these legacy companies coming online. And it's not, they're not coming out of the blue. Uh, probably five years ago, a lot of people thought that Tesla would, you know, forever own this space. Um, I never thought that because it's just not the way competition works. Uh, but we're really seeing that change right now. I would say the glory days of Tesla are over. Are they going to disappear? No. Hey, five years ago, I would have thought there's a possibility Tesla might not be around. I do believe they will be a player in the industry. But when you have companies like Ford showing this commitment, the dedication to building up in this space, um, uh, I think the the best days from Tesla from that market leader um, standpoint is behind them. I'd like to hear your vote. Uh, Leave a comment below. If you're investing your money today and you've got a three-year time horizon ahead of you, are you picking Ford or are you picking Tesla? If you have a few minutes... You know, give us the justification behind just an F or a TSLA. We'll work on that. But if you uh, have the inclination to give us some reasoning behind it, um, you know, uh, constructive constructive input is always welcome on this channel. As I mentioned at the beginning or near the beginning of this video, we do have our investing academy. That is the first link below. And in the last while, we're making some great uh, improvements to the investing academy. We're adding new features in our private members group. We're now having at least monthly uh, special guests who are coming in and doing live sessions with our group members and whether you're a uh, you know a student in one of the training sessions training courses or whether you're a, a student in the private uh, member group you are entitled to to attend those we had our first one just recently very very well received we have um, a, a, an accountant coming up to talk uh, later in the month really looking forward and the goal is to to increase the frequency of those just adding value uh, to our students, to our members. If that's something that you're interested in learning more about, like I say, it's the first link below. You're welcome to check that out. As always, I really appreciate you watching the video and especially if you're still watching at this point. Thank you for your dedication to our channel. Uh, I will wrap this video up and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.